You know, sometimes people have schedules and we got to stay on them, amen? And um, 2020 is no different. It's a vi- our theme is 2020, a vision for Bible Baptists. You know, I'm going to tell you this. This year, you're either going to have a great year for the Lord, you're going to have an average year for the Lord, or you're just going to have another year. And I want to kind of talk to you about that. The Bible talks about a vision. And so often we read the first part of the verse, but we don't read the last part of the verse. And everybody probably can quote it for me. But Proverbs 29, 18 says this, Where there is no vision, what? The people perish. We all know that part of it, but the last part of that verse says this, But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. You know, one thing I like to be is happy. You know, I, I, I like doing things, I like having fun, and, and, and this morning I was, I was reminded of how Terry must feel when I, when I, if I know that they're coming in the room, her and Teresa, or Daniel, I try to scare them. You ever try to scare someone? You don't have to say boo, all you got to do is say hey, and then they'll jump through their skin, and today I was in my office, been over getting something, and Denver comes in and says, hey, and, and he didn't mean to, but he scared me, and And all I could think of is what my mom said to me. I don't know if this is true, but she says every time you get scared, all your vitamin C burns up in your body. Well, I burn up enough vitamin C for about three days when he did that. And he's just looking at me. Does he ever do that to you, Dorcas? Every day. All right. He just just takes her vitamin C completely out of her body because she's so excited to see him. Amen. Um, as, As I look at it, I think, man, we've got to see this. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. That's how you're going to have a good year. Keep the law. How do you know the law? By reading the law. You've got to do that. And we're going to talk about that next week. But we've got to see that God has something for us. Acts chapter 9, we see the loss of, of a vision for God's purpose to be done. Let's go and keep reading in Acts chapter 9. At the first two verses we read, go to verse number 3 and it says, And as he, referring back to Saul, journeyed, He came near Damascus, and suddenly there shone round about him a light from heaven. And read the first part of the next verse. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him. It's interesting. He's walking down this road, and he had just went there to get all the paperwork. We already know in the past past that he was there when Stephen was killed. He was the one in charge of it. They threw the clothes at him. He was the one that was in charge of the whole aspect. Now he's got letters in hand that he can do anything to anybody that does not agree with what he agrees with. And so when we, when we, when we look at this, I want to give you, and this morning's message is very simple. I want to talk to you, we need to answer God's questions. We also need to follow God's declaration. And we're going to look at this whole story in Acts chapter 9. We're not going to turn around. We're going to stay right in Acts chapter 9. But I want to talk to you about answering God's question and following God's declarations. As we look at this, let's look at some of the questions, that one of the questions God asked. If you go to verse number 4, there's just a simple question that He asked. First of all, He's walking down the road and a light hits Him and and it blinds Him. He falls to the ground and here is what is said to Him. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Why are you doing this, Saul? Why, why are you persecuting me? And then we have our questions found in verse number 5 and 6. Saul answers him in verse number 5, and he says, Who art thou, Lord? And of course, and the Lord answered, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished, I like, I like those two words, Number one, he's scared. 
but he understands the magnitude of this being that's done this to him. You say, well, that's, that's, when's the last time you were walking down a road and God zaps you with light, you fall to the ground, and then he audibly talks to you? I want to tell you this, this is a big aspect of his life. This meant a lot to him. He was astonished by it. I don't hear God in an audible voice, but I can tell you this, God speaks to me. Just like He does you. It's not just for the pastors, it's for the, it's for the sheep and the shepherd. And we've got to realize that God talks to you and God says, why don't you do this, why don't you do that? And we can do one of two things. We can either do it or we can reject it. And that's what our year is going to be, 2020. Where's your vision at with this? Question is, is as he asks him, he says, uh, he says uh, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Then he turns around and says, who art thou, Lord? Referring to that he knew it was a higher being. And then in verse number eight, verse number six, it says, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? You know, there'd be a lot of Baptist preachers that would be shocked if someone walked up to them today in a church service and said, hey, preacher, what do you need me to do? You know, it's a running joke. I've heard someone say this to me. I forget who it was. It might have been Brandon that said this to me, that, that if I make eye contact with you, that means I'm going to call on you to pray. You'd be shocked how many people put their head down when I look at them. The only one that doesn't is my wife, and she knows I'm not going to call on her to pray. But we've got to see that God has something for us. You say, well, how does this pertain to me? What wilt thou have, the, the questions, who art thou, Lord? And Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? You might say they're directly for Saul, but they work for us too. These questions work great for us. I want you to look at these, and let's look at God's question first. He says to Saul, he says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now, I'm not persecuting God, but what is he asking Saul? He's saying, why are you doing the things that you're doing? Now, he uses the word persecuteth because that's what Saul was doing at the time. But if, if, if God were to switch this around and make it personal, and he were, let me just, let me just I'm going to pick on Randy for just a second. If he were to say, Randy, Randy, why are you doing the things that you're doing? How would we respond to that? What about this? Why did you do that? Sometimes I look and I think God looks at me and says, why did you just do that? Um, why won't you just listen? Don't you think these are some of the questions that God would ask you? Me and Mark are the only ones that agree, but I'm telling you, he asks me questions all the time. He asks me, hey, why, why are you doing the things you do? Why do you do things I don't like? Why won't you listen? Why are you going there? Why are you saying these things? Why are you acting this way? Why do you have an attitude? You ever had an attitude? Do you not think Saul had an attitude? Wow, I can almost, you can almost bet that Saul, when he's walking down this road, he's got papers in hand. He has got one of the biggest attitudes going on in the whole world right now, and God's about ready to get his attention. He can do anything he wants, and he knows it. And the other thing that you've got to realize, now remember this before this, but remember it also, is he was very educated. 
He knew the laws. He knew the Old Testament. He knew what was going on. He knew the New Testament. He didn't know the New Testament, but he was about ready to write almost all the New Testament. But he knew what he could and could not do. You can almost see just um, this arrogant way about him. You ever been around somebody like that? Where they demand your respect? We've got, to, we've got to understand that God has something for us. And here's this man, and he, he, he hits him with a light, and he says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? You think our sins hurts the cause of Christ? You ever think Jesus wants to look at you and say, why are you doing these things? And our kids were with us, and you've got to watch what you say, say to children. You don't want them to have a bad attitude about things, right? We can start talking bad about something and we can all have a bad attitude about it, right? I can watch the news, I can kind of tell you what's going on in the news and, and I, can ha- I can have a big attitude about the news. About what's going on in the world. We've got to watch what we do with this. Um... We've got to see that God has something for us. What does God have for you? What does God want you to do? What are we doing wrong? Saul, why are you doing the things that you are doing? Now watch our questions to him back. When we do wrong, you you can't hide, but we sure try, don't we? Look what he says. He says, who art thou, Lord? Now, when he answers him that way, he's trying to figure out what's going on in his life. Everything has just flip-flopped on him. He has no idea what's going on. He has no, but he does know it's a supreme being that's doing this. Now, we might not ever get to that point, who art thou, Lord? Because I know when I do wrong, don't you? I don't have to say, God, which one are you? There's only one God, and I know he's going to convict me when I do wrong. Amen? How does he convict us? He didn't convict Paul this way, Saul this way. He convicts us as a Christian through the Holy Spirit. You ever said something and you feel right off the bat, I probably should not have said that. Ever been there? I've been there. You probably shouldn't have said that. You probably shouldn't have done that. People are watching you. We don't have to ask that question, who art thou, Lord? In our case, as a Christian, it's called the Holy Spirit. But we do have to go to the last one. Look at the last question. First question was, why persecutest thou me? Basically to us it would be, why are you doing the things that you're doing? Second one would be, who art thou, Lord? Ours would be, we know who the Holy Spirit is, but look look at the next part. When we get things right with our life, the third question comes in. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? You can do many different ways with this. You're just trying to get more workers in the nursery. Now, it'd be good to have a lot more nursery workers. You're just trying to get more people to work with the children. It'd be a lot better if we had more people to work with the children. But a lot of times when when we ask God this, you know what it's talking about? How we can get right with Him. Not actually physically doing things. What what would other have me to do? Do you realize the book is, the Bible is written about all about restoration? You see that? We're studying in Sunday school about, about um, King David and when he counted the troops. There's a pride issue. And he made it right. He lost 70,000 men because of that. Wow, that's a lot of people to lose. You know what his whole thing was? How can I make this right? How, what can I do to make this thing right? And he begs God. And I love the verse where it says, 
that, the, that, that they put the, um, the sword back in the sheath. Referring to it was over at that point. So the question is twofold. What will they have me do? How can I make this right when I've done something wrong? Very simple. Just come back to Him. Come back to Him. The second thing is, is, is maybe you're doing everything right. What, what else can I do? You can't outdo God. <laughs> right? You can't outgive God. I knew you were about to preach. You're going to talk about tithing. You just can't outgive Him. You can't. I mean, he's got, if he owns a cattle, how many of you own a cattle on one hill? Randy is the only one raising his hand. But he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You don't realize how many there are when you, when you think about it. I was in a singing group, and I don't know what it was. We read this in a verse about God owning the cattle on a thousand hills. We were traveling from Jacksonville, and that summer we went from Jacksonville all the way through Texas to the bottom part of California, all the way to the top of Washington and back in the summer. I don't know what it got me to do this, and I don't know if I was just trying to annoy people, but I started counting the cattle on the hills. It's like when I'd see a cow and I thought it was on an elevated land, I'd say, there's one. I got up to about 600. The same guy traveled with us the whole summer. Eventually he looked at me and said, Wagner, quit counting the cattle on a thousand hills. And I wanted to throw the Bible back at him, but I didn't. You don't realize how many hills that is and how much he owns. So when I ask this question, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? What does it mean to you? 2020 should be a year that we will, we will do what God wants us to do. Lord, what should I always be doing? Even if we must go through the process, what do you mean by that? These last two questions. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? God's questions are questions. They should lead us to do what God wants us. Watch out for pride. Because what most people why most people stop is because there's there's pride in their life, right? Well, I've done this, done that. How many times have you ever met somebody and, and they'll say, Well, I used to do this. I used to teach Sunday school. I used to do this. I used to do that. I don't want to live my life like that. <coughs> Bernard, I don't I don't want I want my last days on earth to do the same thing that God wants me to do right now. If God wants me to teach, if God wants me to preach, then I better do it. If God wants me, and some of you in here are encouragers to me, and I'm so thankful for that. I like Mark says amen. Sometimes he says amen, and I don't know why he says amen, but I like hearing it's encouraging. And then, and then there's other people. I think Ray down here is an encourager. I, there's, there's many different people in this room that are an encourager. That might be your job. But do it. Don't stop. Can you imagine if, if Paul, if Saul turn, turns to Paul and then he did something for about five years and said, okay, I'm quitting. You know, when he asked that question, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? It referred to getting his vision back and all that. But I think it played back in his mind the whole, his whole lifetime, Bernard, what wilt thou have me to do? I am willing to do anything. On Wednesday, we did something that was very interesting. And I had six people thank me for it. 
I'm going to have these with me. If you want one of these, you can have one of these. If you're not with me, this is called a report card. I'm go over to the teacher's report card. Don't you love, don't you love report cards? This is a confidential, it even says that, confidential report card. If you were here Wednesday, raise your hand. If you filled it out, did it really make you think about what you do? Now listen, I am not, I don't want them back. I don't want your name on it. You put your name on it. You put it someplace else. This is for your eyes only. But 2019 is over. You can't do anything about it. Is there things you'd like to, like to stop that you shouldn't have done in 2019 that you don't want to do in 2020? Is there anything like that? It's like that with me. I'm trying to realize that everything I eat does one of two things for me. It either gives me energy or it makes me fat. You know what the problem is? Is I like the ones that make me fat. But everything you put in your mouth will either give you energy or take energy away from you. But you know what? When it comes to spiritual report card, how do we respond to it? I'm going to read some of the things that are on here. And again, I didn't pass everything. I put a grade scale in there. It's a 10-point grade scale. It said Bible reading based on percentage of days. How many times did you read your Bible last year? And then you give yourself a yearly grade. Praying daily. How, long did, how, how, time, how much time did you spend praying for the church, praying for the staff, praying for our missionaries? Um, I know that Brother um, Birch told me that we need to pray for Brother um, Cook. He has a special unspoken right now. And we'll pray for him at the very end. You know what? We need to pray for him. <clears throat> don't tell people you're going to pray for him and then don't do it. You know what that's called? A lie. And let's just break it out. where it's, There's no difference between a black lie and a white lie. We have tried to categorize everything. We need to see how far we've been, we, we've been reading. How about witnessing? Personally, did you tell somebody about the Lord? Um, church, uh, witnessing at church, our church meetings that we have. Our track meetings, passing out tracks, I'm sorry. Giving. Now, you, you, listen, on tithing, you're, either 100%, you're an either an A or an F. By its definition only, <clears throat> and we'll talk about this later, by definition only, a tithe is a 10% of your income. You're either doing it or not doing it. Well, you don't understand my situation. God does, and he'll help you through it. And then we also have giving to missions. <clears throat> I'll tell you right now, Denver, I was very pleased with what we gave for church for, the, for, for missions for, mission, for, the, for Christmas. We raised all of our support we needed to for them. We got to give them an extra, extra um, Christmas bonus for that. Every one of them. We have 97 missionaries. All of them received $100 extra. You know, our church our size, and we support it, and I don't talk about it a lot, but we support 97 missionaries, $100 a piece. That's a pretty big set of missionaries for the size of our church. And we're not, we're not hurting for it, and God has blessed us for that. But we need to make sure we give and we pray for them. Now we got faithfulness. <laughs> what does the Bible say? Who can find a faithful man? So faithfulness, and I'm not, I'm not even going to look at anybody, I'm just going to say this. You know what? We have Sunday school. Did you know that? We do. It's, it's right before the church service. Some, some people only come to the Sunday school when we have the, the time change. Amen. Praise God. Sunday school is there to teach us things. Then we have Sunday morning. And again, I'm not looking up. We have Sunday night. We have something called midweek service. You can't 
find that in the Bible. Well, the Bible says not forsaking assembly. And you're going to grade yourself on that. Ministry. Participation in ministry. Well, God called me to sit in a pew. No, that's not what God called you to do. Go back to that last question that, that, that Saul, what wilt thou have me to do? What do you want me to do, God? I can't see right now. What do you want me to do? And he would set the whole thing up. Then we also have kindness and loving. Are you kind? Are you a loving person? Do people see Christ in you? You say, well, if you're the most kind person, the most loving person, ask your spouse. You know, I find this very interesting. And I'm not trying to make anybody mad. I don't even want to know what your scores are. You, and some people have said, man, I did terrible in certain things. I've had, like I said, five or six people. But you know what I find out when people leave the church? They always say it's not a friendly church. And usually when they say it, they look like they're the meanest person in the world. Amen. It's just not a friendly church. You want to just put a mirror up and say, look, you know, we've got to show kindness. We've got to show loving. And the last question on there is bitterness. Because you know what I, I know about bitterness? Bitterness will destroy a lot of people. Even me speaking about this, some of you are going, I just can't believe he's saying that. I would love to get some, I've got a Fitbit. I'd love to put my Fitbit on some of you and see where your heart rate is, amen? I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm just trying to tell you, 2020 can be what? A great year. It can be an average year. Or it can just be another year. I think Cecil was talking about it in Sunday school beforehand. He said, I couldn't believe when I wanted to retire, 2018 seemed so far away. Now it seems even further away, doesn't it? Man, time goes by so fast. So we have the three questions. We have, um, why are you persecuting me, Lord? Why are you persecuting me? The second one is, um, who art thou, Lord? The third one is, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? And let's real quickly, and I want you to look at one more thing. Okay, let's say I want to do what God wants me to do. Is God, what's God going to ask me to do? <clears throat> that's, so, that's such a funny question. God's not going to ask you something that you can't handle. You would be shocked. Our church does not do this, but you would be shocked if you were to sit down and you were to interview missionaries. I've, I've done this with my friends that are missionaries. I'll say, what, what's the most discouraging thing? So the most discouraging thing is we'll set our displays out. People won't even come to see us. And I said, why would they do that? He said they're, they're afraid, and this is what he told me, his exact words. He's afraid that they'll get the fever. And I was like, what are you talking about, the fever? He's afraid that they're afraid that, they'll, that God will ask them to be missionaries, so they don't want to go and get any, they don't want to get any information about missionaries because they don't want to have what, you, what you're doing. Literally, he said, some people, they'll, they'll, they'll go to the churches, and they'll put their stuff in the back, and no one will talk to me. That just blows my mind. I go there and get the card so I know at least I can put a face with a name. I'm not going to candy coat it for you with this, but I want to tell you this. God does have hard things for us to do. After we get out, get out our pride, our thoughts, our ambitions out of the way, Paul refers to us as, watch this, a good soldier... Right, you were a soldier at one point. Would you want a good soldier or just a mediocre soldier with you? You would kick out anybody that's a mediocre soldier. Back there in the marine business. What would you do if you had somebody say, listen, I really don't want to go out and fight. 
Okay, you could join the army. Is that what you're going to tell them? Or, oh, now, now you just got a mean look from a guy over to your left, all right? And I was going to go to him, but you already went to him, all right? Mike, he can't even swim. What's he talking about? Anyway, so we go through this, and God knows what we need, but He's not going to make it easy. Because in this same chapter, you see something that's amazing. Keep reading. He tells them in verse number 5, he says, And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecuteth. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go to that city. It shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. This is the part that I think is funny. Can you imagine what they told people? I was walking with him. He was carrying the papers. He thinks, Saul, you know who Saul is. Everybody knew who Saul was. All of a sudden, light hits. He falls to the ground, and that light starts speaking. I want you to think before you raise your hand on this. Has this ever happened to you? Never happened to me. I've never seen anything like that. Guarantee you they were astonished. Keep reading in the next couple of verses. It says this, it says, and it says, um, and Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by his hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. Now you're going to see God's declaration. God's declaration is found in verse number 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and, the, and to him said the Lord in a vision, all he says is his name. He says this, he says, Ananias. Now, Ananias gets a bad rap, Phyllis, because Ananias is the one that did what? What was the other Ananias in the Bible? He's the one that didn't tithe. This is a different Ananias. God knows who he was, he says, Ananias. This is a declaration, God knows you. Doesn't he? Does God know you? God know your strengths? God know your weaknesses? Do you know your strengths? Do you know your weaknesses? Absolutely do. Do you know when you do something wrong? I do. Not when you do something wrong. I know when I do something wrong. But you know what I like about Ananias? That's how he responds. God's declaration says his name, and here's what he says. Look at the next couple of words. He looks at him and he says, And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. It's interesting. If you were to look that up in the Greek words, the I am here, the am, am here, Lord, is one word. It's chorus, and here's what it means. He to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has power of deciding. So when he answers, he says, listen, Lord, I'm gonna, since you're talking to me, I'm going to do what you want. Here I am. That's what God wants in 2020. You say, well, that's easy. God speaks to me, I'll do it. Remember I told you some things are hard? Keep reading. Verse number 13. Um, verse number 11. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go to the, straight, the street which is called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul. And when he says these next two words, Ananias is thinking this through, of Tarsus. Everybody knew who Saul of Tarsus was. Now watch this. For behold, he prayeth. Now, out of all the things... This is not what Saul was known for. And then it says this, 
He has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. Now, this is what God told him. Now, watch Ananias' response. He says, And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. He knew exactly who he was. And, and here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on, on, my name, on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel to me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now watch verse number 17 shows you who Ananias is. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. Not only did he enter into the house and put his hands on him, said, what does he call him? The first word he calls him, brother. Circle that word brother because it shows you Ananias is truly trusting in who God is and trusting that God can change a man's life, even the man Saul of Tarsus. So my question is to you this. When God asks you a question, how do you respond? When God gives you a declaration and says your name and wants you to do something, do you ever say, here I am, Lord? Not everybody can work with kids. Amen. We all have different abilities. If I were to ask Ray to play the piano this morning, what would you have said? Uh-uh. If I'd ask Riley to play the piano, you know what he'd said? All YouTube it, amen? We'll get this down. Not everybody has the same ability. God sure knows what, you, what you're made out of, does he? When Ananias walked in that room, he could have died. But you know what Ananias decided to do? Trust in the Lord. 2020 is going to be either a year you trust in him or you don't. And when he calls on you and you ask, Lord, here I am, what do you want me to do? Here I am, Lord, what do you want me to do? Christians, I'm talking to you in here. When God talks to you and says, Lord, you, he says your name, not, not an audible voice, but he, he, he speaks to you and says, what are you going to do? Are you going to answer him and say, here I am, or are you going to just act like you don't hear him? There's times when I can feel like I'm walking on a cloud when I'm doing what God wants me to do, but then there's other times when I want to get under a, a, a log because I know I haven't done what God wanted me to do. I'm just like you. But I don't want 2020 to just be an average year. When I take my report card for 2020, I want it to be higher than it was in 2019. So what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with this Jesus? Are you going to have a vision for 2020? You're just going to make it another year. God wants you to be better. God wants you to be stronger. He wants your prayer life to be stronger. He wants your Bible reading to be stronger. He wants your knowledge to be stronger. He wants everything in your life to be stronger than what it was in 2019.